Good morning. Good morning, everyone. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you take them out, please? And turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. And our verse for today is um, verse 13. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Are we all good? So verse 13 says this. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is an interesting passage of scripture, as all scripture is, but there's much we can learn from, from it. And um, it is a, a good question. It's good to always ask ourselves, what is Scripture saying to us? What's the Holy Spirit? What's God saying to us through the written word? Another version says this in, uh, of verse 13. It says, brothers and sisters. So it's not just brothers. It's not just sisters. It's brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Now, how many of us hold on to the things that are behind? How many of us glory in many ways in the things that we have, we have achieved? And there's not nothing wrong with glorying and... and, and um, uh, Enjoying the victories that God has allowed you to partake in as He has uh, given you this life. But how many of us hold on to those things in, in such a way that they actually trip us up in terms of going forward? So Paul says, I don't look at those things, I don't hold on to those things, I don't glory on those things. But instead, I look forward to the things that are up ahead the things that he has gone ahead and prepared for me. Now, The title for this um, section of, of uh, my, my preach or scripture will be this thing, one thing I do. One thing I do. Now I must say before I get going is that as we know, spiritual birth, the day that you got saved again, the day that you gave your heart to Christ, there was a birth that took place. And that birth isn't, wasn't the beginning and the end of it. This spiritual birth is a lifelong process of growing into maturity. A lifelong process. So if you're bored, if you're not growing, uh, I'm sorry. That we need to do something about it. I can't do anything about it other than pray, but encourage you. And you have to take action. You have to take action. And we'll talk about a little bit about that action this morning. So Paul starts off this scripture saying, Brethren, I do not count myself to have 
apprehended. We notice that by the use of brethren, he addressed those who he had come, uh, those who had come to know Christ. So he's not addressing the, the people out there who don't know Christ. He's addressing the Philippian church, people who are saved, people who have given their, their, their hearts to Jesus. These people, just like us, have come to know Christ personally. It's not a relationship that is based on me. So you have a relationship with Christ based on me, or I have a relationship based, um, with Christ based on you or each other. It's actually a personal thing. By personally addressing the Philippians as brethren, he drew them into his experience. Now this reminds us that um, no one has arrived um, in their walk. So Paul reminds the Philippians that yes, you've been walking with God, you've been, you've been serving your, your, your church that glorifies him, that does the things that we call to do. But he says that you have not arrived yet. I, the Apostle Paul, um, I'm in prison, have been serving Christ um, for uh, over 25 to 30 years at this stage as I'm writing this. But guess what? I have not arrived yet. I have not arrived yet. There's still more to be had. The word count in this um, verse means to calculate. Through studied evaluation, Paul came to a, con- a calculation. He did not come to, his, to this decision by just, whoa, I've just arrived, let me make this snap decision. Uh, he, the apostle thought about it. How often do we think about our lives? How often do we calculate the things, the, 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 the trajectory that life has for us? How often do we do that? Paul concluded that eternal values would keep his perspective right. How often do we do that? How often do you, how often do I think of the eternal values, of these things that we are looking forward to? We here on earth, yes, we thank God for that, but are we, are we, are we uh, looking forward to the things that are to come? Of course, here whilst he's still given us life, but also too in heaven as we are with him. Paul did that. He decided that actually the fact that I'm in prison and all these things have happened to me and many things will probably happen to me which I do not like, my perception or my gaze is heavenward. My gaze is future. Therefore, because of that, this is what's going to keep me going. This is what will keep me going. Um... So his perspective was right. It wasn't deterred. It wasn't determined by the things of the, uh, of the, the, that are happening in his life. It wasn't shaken. Um, his perspective was grounded on um, Christ Jesus. So he, he knew that in this life, in that life that he had, God had a plan for him. So today I ask you... Um, do you believe that God has a plan for you? So forget about, no, you can't really forget, but so the outskirts of what's happening, your life, the ups and downs, the turmoil, the good stuff. Do you still believe God has a plan for you? And guess what? Paul decided to, in his mind, I would imagine, he, 
He knew God had a plan for him. This plan doesn't make sense to him. I mean, God has a plan for you. He's allowed this to happen in your life. It doesn't really make sense in some, in some instances. It doesn't make sense that I'm in prison. Paul would reason, I would imagine. But he was determined. Because of his perspective toward God, he was convinced that the Lord has a, had a plan for him and God managed this plan that he had for him perfectly. God managed it. So in other words, because God has a plan, the Father has a plan, he is actually managing this plan for, on behalf of Paul as Paul walks his, this path. And it's a good way to look at our lives. Actually, God does have a plan for you and I. It doesn't matter how long we've been uh, um, Christians for. It doesn't matter how old we are in terms of chronological age. The fact remains that we are st- if we are alive, you can still breathe, you can still have, you, God has a plan and He has a purpose for you. And the best thing we can do is to acknowledge that as Christians. And once we've acknowledged that, it's then to allow Him to manage this plan that He has for you. And guess what? If you do that as best as you know how to, it is so freeing. It is so freeing. I mean, uh, most of us are, we're not kids, we're older. When you were younger, um, the day that you, you know, you kind of trusted your parents, you knew that your parents, things are not, they had a plan. You, you believed they had a plan for you. The moment that you um, allowed, you know, you believe that, you were, you, you were settled. In some ways. But even better than being settled is that you allowed them to run with it. You didn't want to go and take stuff into your own hands and, oh, my parents might have a plan. I don't know if it's going to work out. I'm going to take control. And then that's pressure on you. And I think it's the same for us uh, today as Christians, as older Christians, as older kids in in the kingdom, is that we need to recognize that God does have a plan for you and I. He does. That's where it starts. It's recognition. He does have a plan. It does not matter what is happening. So, as Christians, we know we're in the world, but not of the world. And because we're in the world, we'll be plagued with all, we, all sorts of things that the world is involved with. We'll be, you know, we, we are persecuted. We don't understand. But God, you still have a plan. My best thing that I can do, the best thing you can do for yourself, in terms of the action plan is to recognize, acknowledge the fact that God has a plan for our lives. We might not fully understand this plan, but then also at the same time, allow Him to manage this plan. Don't try and manage it yourself. You will drive yourself up the wall. You might succeed a little bit, but I tell you, because you don't see the end, and He does, He's been there, He's already there, it's best to allow Him to do it. This is what Paul, I would, I would imagine, his confidence, his outlook on life was like. He was confident that this God that he believes in had a plan for him and he was managing that plan for him. So I'm in prison. How is this, this going to work out? But God had a plan. So if God has a plan, let him run with the plan and let's just walk along and allow him to lead us. And it's true for us. God has a purpose for every single believer. 
whether you believe it or not, whether, you, um, whether the enemy has come and lied to you and told you, no, you, you, you are useless, as, as it were, or you are good for nothing, as we've heard those words come from uh, people toward us. That is a lie. The truth remains that God has a purpose for every single believer on the face of this planet in time. And so Paul, even in prison, wanted to latch on to this purpose, to this confidence, to this belief that God had a plan. Now, in looking at this, the first calculation Paul made was a negative one. He, didn't, um, he did not ca- calculate himself as having reached the final destination in his spiritual growth. He said, I do, not want to get, I do not want you to get the impression that I have arrived at the point of ultimate maturity. I don't want to leave you in, uh, with the idea that I have no further room to grow as a Christian. This is the great apostle Paul. 25 years, 30 years plus whatever the commentator said that he's, he had been serving Christ. Remember earlier on in uh, scripture, uh, the verses earlier on he says, I want to know you more. I want to know you better. How? 30 years plus whatever the, the number is, you've been serving Christ. You've been doing ex- exceptional work for, for him. He says, I actually want to know you more. Now, I said it last week, sadly, for most Christians, we live our lives not realizing that there's a prize at the end of the day. There's a prize for us to attain when we reach glory. Paul would use the language like an athlete. You know, when you race, you're not racing um, to lose. You're racing to finish the race. And when you finish the race, there's a reward for you to receive. Part of this race has to do with maturity, has to do with our growth. I think I spoke about that two or three weeks ago, that uh, we cannot remain stagnant. We cannot remain in one place. We, if we do, then we, what was the word I used? I think um, I used the word, we stink. We end up stinking. We end up being people who, people don't even fellow Christians don't want to be around us because they, we just are so negative. We sow this and we sow that. We're not a, um, uh, we don't have a, a fresh aroma. We don't, we're not attractive in, in, in our lifestyle. And um, we cannot be stagnant. We, cannot, we need to mature. Remember this birth, new birth, is a continuous process of growth. I think it was someone who said that if we are not growing, automatically we are dying. You're going backwards. Now, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to shrink backwards. I want to go forward. But guess what? The only way for me to be able to go forward is to believe that God has um, a plan and a purpose for me, for you, for I. And um, the best thing I could do is firstly recognize that and believe it, and then allow Him to outwork it. 
Because as He outworks it, then He will lead us in the way of righteousness. He will lead us in the things that He's called us. Those things that He has gone ahead and prepared for us, those good works that I keep speaking about, He has gone ahead and prepared for us. He will lead us. He will show us if we allow Him to do that. But for most, uh, and I say most in inverted commas, Christians, um, perhaps we do think we have arrived. Perhaps we do think we've read the Bible enough. Or perhaps we do think we have attained it. We've, there's, no, there's nothing more that I can learn. There's nothing more that I can achieve. When we think that we have arrived spiritually, unfortunately, there is a point when we actually begin to fall. We never stay at the same place in our spiritual life. We should never actually stay at the same place in our spiritual life. In fact, in life, I mean, forget uh, spiritual life, put that aside and think about life outside of spirituality. So if you're not um, growing, if you, uh, whatever trade you're in, for instance, if you are not equipping yourself, if you're not learning more, you, if you're just maintaining in actual fact, you're actually going backwards because things are improving. Things are changing. We need to be, we need, what do they say? We've got to keep up with the times. How do you keep up with the times if you're not learning? If you're not willing to, to mature in the trade that you're in, in whatever respect it is. It's true for our spirituality. We need to be growing. We need to be maturing. And we know that spirituality, that's more important than actual um, Apart from spirituality, those things are good, they equip us and all that, but spirituality, we need to grow. But you cannot grow if you think you've arrived. I cannot grow if I think I've arrived. If I think I know everything, then, uh, well, that's where it all starts going backwards. The truth is, we, are, we either grow or we revert, we go backwards. That's a reality in life. We either go up or we go down. We progress or retrogress. We never stand still. <coughs> an example is, um, you think of an army. An army never sits in one place during war. Not that I've been in, in any wars, but uh, from reading up and understanding. An army never sits in one place. The enemy will target its position. If, if you sit, if you're moving ahead, you're trying to take over whatever you're fighting, and you decide to camp in one place, and this is where you remain because you've achieved whatever, you've achieved a whole bunch of stuff, then you camp there. The enemy then will target that place, and you make it easy for the enemy to actually come and take you out because you're in one place. You're stagnant. You, uh, you're standing still. You're in one position. An army must continue to move to keep, keep the enemy from using it as a target. So where you are, it's almost like a chess game. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep, you keep, you keep moving forward. You can't stand. You can't stand. So even if you... <laughs> You think hey, you've achieved, you've won this battle this today. 
you cannot just sit there. You need to move forward. You need to keep moving. And it's true for us in our spiritual walk. We have to keep moving. We have to remain active. Um, and that is why it is dangerous to consider ourselves to have arrived spiritually. I also read and heard, you know, depression is one thing that uh, uh, a lot of people battle with, right? I'm sure in your circles or maybe families, or there are people that you know that to battle with depression. And I, I once, I can't remember if I read it or if I heard it, but I um, either read or heard that one way to combat depression, if in, in fact, before it sets in, is that you've got to keep busy. You've got to keep moving. You've got to, if the world is falling apart around you and you stand still and all you can do is think about how tough life is and you kind of just inward, you're looking at your surrounding, man, that's when depression starts kicking in. Someone told me, actually, when you are in that place, what you need to do is to get out and be busy. Get busy. Because if you're busy, your mind is busy. I mean, we were speaking about renewing our mind this last week. Um, we need to renew our minds. How do we renew our minds? Is by being busy. Busy with the Word of God. Busy doing stuff. Um, so, when those things happen, we need to be a people who take action by being busy. Now, how do, are we to be busy? People be, uh, are busy by taking drugs or alcohol to try and numb the pain, whatever the case is. Uh, that's not the busy that we are called to be. We have to be busy with the things of God. We have to be busy with this life. We have to be busy, um, maybe even studying. We have to be busy. Keep our minds busy. Keep moving. We can't stand still. Because the reality is that growth is a continuing process in, the spiritual, in our spiritual life. If we stand still, we give the enemy an uh, opportunity to, what, to use a, a sniper and, and attack us in that regard. No, we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep moving. Almost have to keep dancing, as it were. We have to. This is what we call to. We need to be moving like an army. I mean, we use, Paul uses his um, picture language to help us understand better. An athlete has to keep running. Um, if he just wrote to you, say, you've got to keep running. Uh, it, you understand it, but for you to understand and see the picture of an athlete running makes it easy for you and I. So even in the Word of God, even with us uh, keeping busy, we've got to, be, we gotta, um, get to the place where we understand. Firstly, the God, that this spiritual life that he, is, he has given us since the day we got born again, to date, until He calls us home, is a continuous process of growing. It's, you have never, you, you will never arrive on this, on this um, side of the grave. There's more to learn. Paul, the, uh, our, our great example, said, I want to know him more. See, there's more to learn. As we eat and exercise spiritually, we develop Christian character. Now, who knows that character is important? Who knows how 
yeah, we need, our characters need to be shaped. Our characters need, we, we actually, because I, from, from um, face value, I can look at you and, in fact, um, in, in the church, in spiritual um, um, understanding, we speak about character. You, don't, you can risk, they say, you can risk with, with people with all sorts of things in your life. But you cannot risk with character. Because if your character is flawed, everything else uh, will be flawed. And you will influence others into that uh, backwards uh, rhythm. And I also heard in the business world, um, and we, I suppose you never really know. Someone comes for an interview, they, uh, you know, they're dressed, they, uh, they put the best um, foot forward. You can't tell how they, what, is, what is in the character. Those things are only uh, exposed as time goes by. Man, as time goes by in my Christian walk, uh, as you guys get to know me, I want, and my character gets exposed, I want my character, yes, I'm not perfect, neither are you, no one is perfect, but I want my character to, to be one that is uh, learning, that is moving forward. That I'm flawed, yes, but I'm working at it because I'm moving forward. I, I acknowledge those things, and, uh, but yet I am moving forward in His grace and by His mercy. So as we eat and exercise spiritually, we develop Christian character. Now every true Christian develops to some extent after becoming a Christian. After the day that you got born again, you will develop to some extent. But few grow over a prolonged or an extended period. So the question again is, how much have you grown since the day that you got born again to today? And maybe you did grow uh, significantly, but maybe there was a point in your life where it stopped, the growth stopped. What, where was that point? Why was that point? Why? Why did you stop? Why are you not maturing? And I say, why are you not maturing? So you can't put it on God. You can't blame Him. He's not maturing you. No, no, you. You've got to take action. You've got to keep moving. You've got to keep dancing. You have to do those things. You have to exercise those things that He has allowed you to. Growth is relative. Spirituality is absolute. See, either we are uh, spiritual or we are not. Growth is a matter of degree. Paul says there are horizons yet ahead for us. There's forward thinking. There's things to be uh, achieved. So actually, let me pause in and ask you this question. Um, Do you believe that God has things for you to still achieve into the future. Honestly, look back at your life, look at what you've achieved, and those things are great, maybe, or maybe not. But do you believe that there's more? There's more. And it's not the statement of saying that um, I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy with what I've achieved or where God has brought me to. We are grateful. We are grateful for those things. We learn from those things. But the fact that I still got 
breath in my lungs. It means, and I'm still alive. It means that God is not done with me. It means that God is not done with us. The fact that you've achieved all those things, great tick boxes, that's wonderful. Praise God for those things. But there's more. There has to be more. Otherwise, God come and take us all home now. Because other, what is the point of life? There has to be more. And this would be Paul's um, attitude. Attitude, attitude, attitude. He would say that uh, there has to be more. There's more faith to be had. There's more grace to be experienced. There's more blessing, as it were, to be had. There's more room for me to forgive, as it were. There's more. There's just more. There's more grace for us to appropriate in our lives. The Lord has apprehended me. The Lord has captured me. The Lord has got my heart for a purpose. And we, as I said, I think it was last week, generically the purpose for us being alive is to represent Christ Jesus here on earth. He represents us in heaven. We are to represent him here on earth wherever we find ourselves. That's the generic purpose for every Christian, is to represent God um, here on earth as we, as we walk through this path, as He represents us in heaven. So He has apprehend, apprehended you and I. Now you need, and I need to capture that which he has apprehended me for. I mean, have you asked those questions? Why? Why, why has God given you uh, a certain gift? Why has God given you a certain talent? Why has he placed you in the place where you are? Why are you not in um, the next person's place? Why is my life not like uh, Wesley's life? Or why isn't Wesley's life my life? Why? Why has God... Why is he... Have you asked yourself those questions? Why has God allowed you to be the way that you are? Why has God given you the emotions that he's given you? Why? Do you want to continue to realize the purpose for which he has apprehended you for? I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to learn. I want to continue to be... Um, used by Him in whatever way He wants to use me. Understanding that it's not ultimately for my benefit. It is for my, I mean, it's for God's glory. Uh, if you can settle that in, our, in, our, in your heart, that this difficult life in inverted commas is not about you, it's not about me. It's about Him. Man, I tell you, that will just set us free. It will set, it was, it, it's not easy, but it will set us free. Why? Because we don't then live unto me. Oh, why me? Why am I having this uh, problem? Why am I placed here? What? Why? 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 No, it's about Him and His glory. You remember the story that... Uh, to this day, uh, I battle to, to understand, but I don't need to understand everything. 
because God does. Uh, I, I don't know if I've shared it. If I have, please uh, forgive me. But there's a story in the Bible where um, I think it was the disciples went to Jesus and said there was a man born blind. And um, they went to him and said, well, what, what's up here? This man was born blind. Who, who's to blame? Was it his parents? Did, uh, is he paying the price for his parents' sins? Or is it him who sinned? And I thought to myself, well, you can't, he, he was not, you can't sin before you're born. You know? And, um, but he was born blind. He didn't choose to be born. Number one, he didn't choose to be born. Number two, he didn't choose to be born blind. Yet he, it, it has happened. And Jesus answers to them and says, Neither was it him nor was it his parents. This has happened for the glory of God. I think to myself, whoa. <laughs> That is quite an answer. So my dear friends this morning, whatever is going on that you don't understand, that the difficulty is that you don't understand, I wonder if it's not for God's glory and how it's going to work out. The difficulties that I'm going th- through, the challenges, I wonder if it's not for God's glory. And I think then putting, understanding that or try, trying to understand that and put it into perspective will then help me because I can't control those things. You can't control uh, the plight to some degree of your life. You can't control the fact that you're born blind. But it happened for God's glory. Let us have an attitude, Lord help us, that we actually don't look at ourselves and say, God, oh man, I don't know what I've done wrong to deserve all of this. But God, you've allowed it. You're God, I'm not. You're in heaven, I'm here on earth. God, to you be the glory. But then help me to live this life on earth that you've blessed me with for your glory. And the fact that you're still alive, regardless of the, 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 the situations and the challenges and the victories that you've had in the past, God has unfinished business in your life for your life the fact that you're here means that God has unfinished business for you and one thing I'm gonna say in closing that's probably gonna mess with our heads is one of the main reasons God allows, not causes, allows us to fall, as it were, in inverted commas, to fall on our faces in life so often is to keep us from the delusion that we are super saints, that we have arrived. Because the reality, even in the Christian context, we can become spiritually puffed up. Are you spiritually puffed up? In life, you think of the athletes who are winning everything. They become puffed up. (laughs) They've got this pride in them that just walls up because I'm doing all these things. Do you have that? We become spiritually puffed up or spiritually smug. 
And you see, smugness creates a spiritual self-complacency. If you become spiritually puffed up, then you almost think you've arrived. There's no more to learn. There's no more to give. I am the super saint. I don't need to go out there and, and preach to those people and witness to those people. I don't need to, to help that uh, person who's in trouble. I've arrived. I'm cool. I'm sorted. So part of that, if you do that, God in his mercy then will pick our, or should I say prick, our inflated heads. He will prick our inflated heads. What is that saying that says? Pride goes counts before fall. When you are spiritually smug, when you are spiritually puffed up, when you, are, when you have won, when you are at the height of, of your spiritual life, you will become proud. But a proverb speaks about that. It, it is a recipe to go backward. It's a re- pride is God actually says in his word, he opposes those who are proud. So I wonder if your life, look at your life, I wonder if God is not poking, He's not trying to deflate your balloon, your head, your big head. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder this morning through life circumstances, and if He is, I'm going to pray that he helps us to allow him to poke us, to prick us with that pin that this overinflated head deflates in his mercy. Because even that man was born blind, it was that happened in God's mercy. It didn't just happen, God, oh, God, it happened, oh, man. And it will court God by surprise. Now it happened in His mercy. So we cannot remain stagnant. We've got to keep moving. So Father, for me, and for my friends, and for the Christian world, God, I pray that you'd help us not to become spiritually or even in life puffed up. Because I don't want you to come and deflate my balloon, God. Because that's all. I ask you, Jesus, in view of your mercy, that you'd help me recognize the fact, God, that you have indeed a plan, that you have an You've got unfinished business for my life, for our lives, Lord. And you'd help me, God, to drop my pride and allow you to manage this plan. Father, for the areas in my life, for our lives, God, what we don't understand, I ask that, Lord, you'd give us the grace to accept the answer that you gave the disciples. This happened... For God's glory.
Give me the grace to appropriate that in my life. That all of this is for your glory somehow. And may truly be that for your glory, God. May I not resist it. May I not, may I not fight against it. Help me, Jesus, to live this life completely unto you. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan. Thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose for my life, for our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have unfinished business for us. Thank you, Lord, for the victories that you've allowed us to have in the past. I thank you, Lord, for the many more victories that we'll have into the future. And the great exploits, the great, the prize, the reward, Lord, that will come our way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray. Amen.